Hello, Dan Talks listeners. Welcome to another episode of Dan Talks. I'm Dan Van Note, and this is a new season, essentially, of Dan Talks. I took August off, and as you longtime listeners will know from my voice, I got a new microphone, which I absolutely can't stop playing with. It's kind of great. Um, I thought this... The end of this calendar year will be five years of doing Dan Talks. And the whole time <laughs> I've used like the Apple wire headphones and um, my uh, MacBook and like the Zoom recording tool, which I'm still using Zoom recording, but instead of just like my Apple, uh, you know, like the free wired white headphones that microphone i'm using like a real microphone from the internet um and so anyway it's a learning curve um my first dan talks of the year well you know september 1st uh is with casey elliott who i found on instagram through the explorer page which is really where i find uh basically all of my guests and uh she had a real go viral which uh she titled poor person aesthetic and it was different clips of her mom's apartment back in Michigan and basically a super relatable video that had a lot of reactions and over 9 million views and um, led me to her page where I saw a lot of her great outfits and like funny reels and um, links to some of her acting work. So um, she's an actor in Los Angeles and uh, I was so happy that she agreed to come on. We talked about the word poor and like her relationship to money and how it's fluctuated throughout her life. And most importantly, how her self-worth hasn't been tied to money because we all go through different money phases. And I think it's easy to either get down on ourselves or to maybe like get too big of an ego or something depending on your bank account. And um, Casey is one of those rare examples of someone who I think uh, doesn't tie them so closely. And I think it's a, a really healthy thing that we could all learn from. So I was uh, grateful she agreed to come on. I'm grateful to be back after a beautiful August. Um, I look forward to a lot of great Dan talks with this amazing audio. Okay. I'll stop. Pl- well, I was going to say, I'll stop playing with it, but I'm, I'm definitely going to keep playing with it, but, um, yeah, happy to be back. Hope you're having a great um, Tuesday after Labor Day. I know it's a big one. Um, No matter your stage of life, your job, your school, it's a big back-to-school energy, and um, I congratulate you for making it to today. So without further ado, here is the fabulous Casey Elliott. Tell me the story of your life in terms of money. Oh, um, I grew up without money with my mom mostly. And, um, I would say that I was pretty poor my whole life, not like dirt poor. Like we obviously like had a place to live and stuff, but that's just like the bare essentials to life. (laughs) But there was like certain things that I couldn't do certain trips. I couldn't go on like in school. Um, my mom was like always going to the food bank, like budgeting things. And then when I got 15, I got my own job because I 
wanted to like buy my own stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like I, that was just normal to me. And I kind of continued my adult life like that for a little bit. Um, and then I had this art show, uh, cause I used to do photography or I guess I still do, you know, I guess you're never, you don't ever really quit, but, um, I needed some photos printed out like big ones and I didn't have any money and I didn't have anybody to get money from. And so I started stripping and I made like all of that money that I needed in one night. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is like the most money I ever had in my life. Like in my hand at once, like this is crazy. And so then I just stripped for a really long time and I had money and I could just like do what I want and buy what I want. And I got to travel and like do all of these things that I always wanted to do. And then the pandemic happened. And so then I went back to like not having money again. And now I just work like my regular jobs. And I mean, I'm doing fine. I'm but I'm not, I'm not like living that life of leisure like I was, but I think that because of how I grew up, it was like so easy for me to like bounce back into this kind of like, just living on the essentials kind of thing. I find it's so easy to get used to whatever your new like income is. Like I've had up yeah. and down and each time I absolutely end up, I mean, I don't know if I feel, do you feel the same like, do you feel like you're the same person? But what changes with your income about you? Nothing. I just, like, can't do the things. I, like, stop eating out and stop, like, going shopping and stop planning trips. But you don't have, like, self-worth tied to money? No, not at all. No, I never, I never, um... I never got bullied or anything for being poor and I never I never even thought about it at all really growing up. I was just like, "Oh, the, I can't do this and that's just how it is." Like I never felt like sorry for myself or insecure or anything about it, you know. Other than I do remember like going to middle school and my mom was driving this horrible car and it was so rusted and it was so loud and I remember like dunking down in the seat and being like super embarrassed of that car but I, that's the only time I ever remember being like embarrassed you know and most of the time when I was a kid we like lived in a trailer park and I I would invite my friends over and stuff I never felt weird about it do you find that because of course the reason I'm asking you these questions is that you have a, a reel on Instagram that has over 9 million views about and you title it poor people aesthetic and it's going yeah. around your mom's apartment like regular regular things that so many of us have seen and the way so many people live currently every day but on social media it's all like hot rich people yeah or that's what it looks like that's what it looks like for sure and i think that you can still be hot and look rich because i feel like that's the vibe <laughs> i give off <laughs> you know, I'm like, yes. I'm hot and like yes. people probably look at my profiles and they're, they don't think that I'm, I grew up like that or that I'm still like paycheck to paycheck type of person, you know, but like, I just learned how to like look good on a budget really. Mm -hmm. But my, my life back home, that's where I'm from in Michigan. That's where my mom's apartment is. That's where I made that video. 
that's how she still lives. So then when I go back there, it's just like, it feels super weird. And I made that video like as a joke kind of to be like trailer park boys soundtrack over, you know, my mom's really like shitty apartment. A lot of people are like giving me crap about it. You know, they're like, this isn't poor. Wow. You, you should be ashamed for, you know, doing that to your mom. And it's like, my mom knew my mom was fine about it. We laugh about the fact that like her oven is from the eighties and doesn't work. And there's like a hole in her ceiling. Like we, we always like laugh about that kind of stuff. Cause otherwise you would just be upset that you can't get the management to come and fix your apartment or like renovate it. You know, can you talk about the word poor? Yeah, to me, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, yeah. it's not, I feel like people, like, are so ashamed of this <laughs> word. And it's like, uh-huh. I don't think it's that big of a deal to use the word poor. Like, poor is, is like, it's can be interpreted by people, you know? Everyone has their own version of what they think is poor. And poor can be living on the street and poor can be living paycheck to paycheck you know it doesn't have to be one or the other you know when you were making all that money every night dancing did you feel rich yeah i did (laughs) because are you then putting it in like the bank account and like getting your ira set up or that stuff are you like taking the cash getting good stuff I was, yeah, I was taking the cash and I was like, oh my God, I've never been able to go shopping before. Like, Uh I've never been able to like buy a plane ticket before. I've never Uh been able to do all of these things that a lot of people have been able to do. Like, I've never been able to go buy my whole fridge filled with brand name foods and like all of these like amazing snacks. Like I was just like, this is amazing. You know, I was just like living like normal, but to me, I was living rich. It's funny in your acting reel, you say one line as a character, of course, but you say, um, like you're rich now. You, and that means you get to choose your problems. Yeah. Do you, does that um, ring true to you? It Casey? does. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I feel like it does. I feel like, I mean, when you grow up in poverty, it's like everything's kind of a problem, you know? Right. Where am I? How, how am I going to eat? How am I going to afford this? Which bill am I going to pay this month? You know, you're picking and choosing what you're going to spend your money on. And when you're rich, it's like, oh, what's going to be my problem today? Like... You know, and now that I live in L.A. and I work with a bunch of rich people and I see them and they're it's just like they talk to you like they like everything in their life is like such a problem. And you're like, what? <laughs> uh huh. You bought that house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You had they're those like, kids. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They're like, oh, I can't get my um, I can't get my uh, housekeeper to like do this. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a problem to you Uh like today that's your problem that your housekeeper like wasn't able to like mop your floor Mm -hmm. you're like just so distraught over that you know it's like Mm -hmm. their problems are so minuscule compared to other people's you know people that literally are like hmm am i gonna eat today or am i gonna pay the electricity bill right what would be your ideal problems if you could choose them (sighs) 
the pool. Which car am I going to yeah. take out today? <laughs> um, oh, oh, where do I want a vacation this summer? Yes, yeah, not enough time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How living in LA? How often do you um, fantasize about the rich LA life? I used to live in New York, and the thing is, you're. Um, you can see like the apartments and sometimes you're sort of amongst the rich people. I always imagine LA as rich people being sequestered. They kind of are. Yeah. They like, a lot of them are like in far off gated communities. So, you know, unless if you're driving through like Beverly Hills or like the Hollywood Hills, you don't really see it. Most of the people just live in like normal houses and stuff. But even, even some of those normal houses, I'm like, dang, they're rich. Like, to me, you don't have to be living in this gigantic mansion to be rich. You just have to, like, own a house and, like, drive a new car, a newer car, you know, for me to be like, wow, that's rich. And something I've always been curious about or, like, been surprised to find out about rich people is that it's not that they have, like, a few things that are nicer. Everything is nicer. Like, and there's more of it, you know, like, it's, like, it's sort of the rising tide thing. It's like everything. I, I don't know. I always think like, oh, if I got paid this much more, if I got a check for this, I would get this thing or I would start doing that thing. But rich people do better everything. Like travel, their home, the chores, the <laughs> like transportation. Everything is better. Yeah. Even down to their hand soap. I have this like kind of hand weird soap. like hand soap thing every time i work at these like private parties and stuff i go in the bathroom and i'm like wow this hand soap is so nice and i like look it up and their hand soap is like 40 to 140 dollars for a bottle of hand soap um is it a soap they have that one and a few other brands that i can't remember but yeah the most expensive one i've ever like looked up and seen it was 140 dollars lather up yeah i'm like ooh, i gotta go to the bathroom and wash my hands again (laughs) um tell me what precipitated the move to la and the story about idaho okay so i after i grew up in michigan for the most part after michigan i moved to idaho um because i had some friends there and i lived there for like five years that's where i started stripping um and then After that, I moved to Oregon, and then I moved to L.A. during the pandemic, and I moved to L.A. to pursue acting. It's something that I always wanted to do my whole life, Um, but I grew up in a really small town. Like, you know, I grew up poor. There wasn't that kind of stuff around. My school didn't even have a drama program. Like, it didn't even have a drama class. Wow. Um, But it was just something that I always, always wanted to do, and I finally just got the courage to do it. And I started taking acting classes in Portland and stuff. And then it was the pandemic. And I was like, well, I was going to move anyway. So I might as well not keep staying here and waiting, you know, made the move. And how have you found it? I like it. I do. I really like LA. I always wanted to live here. I feel there's definitely some negatives to it. For sure. I think it's, I think people, I think the people are horrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. That's uh-huh. the worst thing about LA to me is that the people are so weird. If the city was deserted of people, it would be fantastic. Beautiful weather, great amenities. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, you got, like, the rich people who are, like, terrible and horrible and they suck. <laughs> and then you have, like, the people that come Do you believe here. that on the whole, like, do you believe in the good rich people idea? Barely. Because? Because now I've really experienced it firsthand from living here and working amongst them. Uh-huh. And you're like, in you the know? aggregate, the experience is negative. Yeah, they might be nice, but then they do weird things. Like, I worked in this mansion. This These people were billionaires. And it was me and another person. We were working there all day, running around, running around. The lady is like, I'm going to tip you guys. And she's bragging about how she used to, she used to be poor. And she used to, um, you know, uh, she knows what it's like for people to treat you bad. And then she just tips us each $25. And I was like, okay, yeah, you get it. You get it, girl. You get it. But she didn't. And it's just like, uh-huh. to me, that's like almost an insult when you're right. you're literally living in a billion-dollar mansion, throwing this party, and you're talking about how you know what it's like to struggle, and then you tip us $25. I'm sorry, but I've waited tables and gotten more than that for less work. Do you think, um, cause you're, it's not like you're at the bottom of the barrel of being in LA. I mean, LA has a huge, uh, homelessness crisis. I mean, how do you, do you ever, how, how often do you oscillate between like, I'm so grateful for what I have and why don't I have that? Um, I don't feel like. I really go back and forth between that. I feel like I'm every day I live here, I wake up and I'm grateful because I got a really nice place to live that's affordable. I got good jobs that I like. Um, I have some good friends and I see homeless people. Literally, if I stepped outside my door, I'm sure I would see one. There's always the same people like on the corners and, you know, I'm just around them all the time. And so I I see them constantly. And every time I do, I feel so sad and I feel so grateful at the same time. And I just think I can't wait until the day where I can like help somebody for real. You know, I give people a dollar or something here and there if I have it. But I mean, I wish I could just drive around and give everybody like a hundred bucks or like, you know, whatever it is, like, what do you need? Like, I wish I could do that. Um, and then as far as like thinking, ah, I wish I had that. Whenever I go to the, the mansions and stuff, I don't want that. Like, I do not <laughs> want to live in a big giant barren museum type place like they're not homey they almost feel like a prison especially because they're all in like gated communities for the most part Mm -hmm. they just kind of feel creepy and eerie and yeah they're super beautiful and lavish and but they're barren like they're they're barren you know and so i don't really think i can't wait to live like that the only thing i feel like i i do think often is um I can't wait till I have a, a like a nice car to drive because I also drive valet. And so when I get into these really nice cars, not even super, some of them are super nice, but 
most of them are just like new cars, 2023, new car or something, you know? And I'm like, wow, it's so easy to drive and it's so nice. And like, they got the camera to back up. And then I get in my car that's from 2004 and it feels like you're driving a tractor. You know, you're like struggling to turn the wheel, you know? And I'm just like, oh, I cannot wait until I can get into my nice new car and just turn the wheel with my finger and like look at the camera to back up and like that kind of stuff. That's really the only thing I... I think about often. Tell me about wanting to be, to move to LA, being an actor when you didn't even have a drama program growing up. Um, I feel really proud of myself. Um, it feels, yeah, it feels really good. It feels like I, I have already achieved so much just from like, having this dream as a kid, not having any experience and then, you know, getting some experience in Oregon and then finally making the move to LA, which is like, that's like a big, big move. Like usually when you move to LA, you're like pretty serious, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just, it feels good. I don't feel ashamed. I don't feel like I'm unworthy. I mean, I've trained in lots of different acting programs in Portland and, and, and in LA and I feel like I'm just as good as people that I see on TV, if not better, because sometimes I watch things and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you don't even gotta be that good, you know, depending on what kind of show or movie it is, like, there's different types of acting, you know, for different things. And so I'm just like, oh, there's like room for anybody, whatever kind of actor you want to be to be on any kind of show, you don't really have to be this like, Meryl Streep, type of actress if you don't want to be you can be silly goofy and just do a sitcom you can do commercials you can do all of these things and that's not what I want to do I want to be like Meryl Streep type of person but um <laughs> uh yeah I, I feel I feel like just as good what's the dream role dream role would be to play I mean basically I I really want to make stuff kind of like the lifestyle that I grew up in, you know, cause I feel like those are like the things that I want to see more of. And those are the things that I feel like people would really relate to. So my dream role would to be playing like a really struggling person, like maybe a drug addict or an alcoholic, like somebody who has like real world problems, you know? And I feel like I could really embody that because I've actually lived that. How, what is the audition process like and what feedback do you get and what do you keep and what do you throw away from the feedback? Um, well, most of the auditions are self-tapes. So you just, you get the audition, you read lines with somebody and then you send it off. And most of the time you never hear anything back. Occasionally you get a call back and then you never hear anything back after that. <laughs> Uh -huh. Or occasionally you do the thing and, and you book the role, which is uh -huh. awesome. And otherwise you never really get feedback. Like they uh -huh. don't really say like, you know, they'll just be like, that was great. I have gotten like um, a couple emails from directors and stuff. And they were like, we really loved you. We would love to work with you in the future. We just don't feel like you're right for this. But I wanted to personally like write to you and thank you. And, you know, that always feels really good. You're like, oh, okay, cool that's super nice but otherwise you don't yeah you don't really hear anything back and for me um it's kind of crazy how life goes full circle 
I feel like I didn't experience a ton of rejection growing up, but from stripping, I experienced rejection constantly, all the time. And so it really like toughened me up, you know, and it made me be like, not feel like my self-worth was tied to other people or other things or like hearing yes. My self-worth is like tied to myself and I have a really like strong sense of self-worth and I feel like I always did, but stripping really reinforced that. And so when I get rejected or I don't hear anything back, I don't take it personally. I don't feel, there was a couple of times where I was like, man, I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. But I never, I don't get down on myself. I don't like overthink it. I don't think about it for much longer. I just let it all go. It's it's nothing personal. It's not me. I'm doing fine. And the right role will find me or we'll find each other. Do you remember the first time that you were sort of rejected in that role as a stripper and like the, what you, the thought cycle that ensued? Um, I don't remember the exact thing. No, because it was just constantly happening. You know, you would, you would work, walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, and they'd be like, no. (laughs) And you're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, uh-huh. I, I just thought you were here for, you know, me, right. but for, I guess right. not. Because <laughs> you all, I mean, you're like, you're asking everybody, like your job is yeah. to work the room. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, did you find that if you changed your tactics that it was like you got more yeses or was it really just like some oh, people yeah, say yes, do... some people say no? Some people say yes, some people say no, but you, you... I mean, if you're a good salesperson, if right. you're a good hustler, right. not to toot my horn, but toot toot. Right. Um, well, give us tips you... and tricks because everyone, I mean, isn't the end of the Hustlers movie, it's like everyone's a dancer and everyone's, you know, it's like something about American capitalism and how we're all, you know, peddling our wares, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody is. And I mean, the hardest thing to do, to do is sell yourself. Right. And you so got to figure out, like... you got to like it's just through trial and error, error, you know, like going up to different people and there's like different kinds of guys, not that many kind of different kinds of guys. They all kind of fit into like certain <laughs> categories. And then you through trial and error, you're like, Oh, you're the kind of guy that wants this. You're the kind of guy that wants that. And you kind of just like figure it out. It's like a little game. Like, Oh, how do I, how do I convince this person that I'm the right one to spend his time and money with, you know? But it's a lot of it's trial hard and error. though. Yeah. It's a lot of trial and error. It was super, super hard, a very super physically and emotionally demanding job. But I mean, the money was like great. Mm-hmm. Does it help you with like dating and like meeting new people? Um, I never dated anybody that I met there. But I mean, like in your like using those skills of like, oh, I can meet anybody. It's okay if I get rejected. You know, like these are things that people no. get held up on. No, it didn't help. <laughs> and no, because I guess it's church Casey, and state. Yeah, that, that was a character. I was sure. playing a character. Sure, a you're selling characters. a character. Yeah, for every single person. So Got Casey it. in the real world is like kind of <laughs> shy when it comes to like asking people out, and then uh-huh. when I've asked people out and uh they said no or like i asked them out via instagram and they like don't respond like it 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 can make me feel a little weird like god am i really like that big of a fucking weirdo like am i super weird like should i not be asking people out like 
that kind of stuff does feel like a little weird, but still, and I have feelings. So of course it, it, it affects me more than like hearing no from acting roles or hearing no at the club. Um, but it, I still have like a really thick skin and like a really good sense of self. So again, like I, I don't let it, I don't let the, the pain of rejection like linger for too long. And I just, it is what it is. You're not my person. I'm moving on. And you've been able to find genuine friends in LA. A few. Yeah. And how do you do that? Um, I found people that were cool and I was just like, Hey, do you want to hang out? Hey, do you want to like do this? You want to do that? And then, you know, um, revolutionary. Yeah. (laughs) Never been done before. (laughs) Kind of just forced them to like, hang out like, Hey, I'm having a party. Like, do you want to come or, Oh, I'm doing this. Like, you know, kind of, but I, I've never really had a hard time making friends. So before we end, can you tell me about Mantis? Uh, Mantis is um, my first film that I wrote. It's a short film about a girl who she's just she's had a lot of problems with men in her life. She's feeling a little crazy and um, basically she she has her own moral compass of what she deems acceptable and what she doesn't. And um, she finds her own way to deal with the problem. That's what I will say. Pure fiction. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, congratulations. And thank you, Casey. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.